Ever since she was younger, Laura Rutledge has been the living embodiment of the mentality, can't stop, won't stop. Growing up, she was a serious ballet dancer and focused on music. And in a way, she says ballet and music were almost like her first job because through them, she was always working so hard to get to that next opportunity. Whether it was a scholarship or a professional job as a ballet dancer, these were her goals. So working toward them became her job. Ballet requires a certain level of perfection and it required her to stay focused on one goal. This is the thought process that she credits for benefiting her career today. She's ESPN's co-anchor of morning show Get Up, one of the lead reporters for the network's college sports coverage and host of SEC Nation every fall on SEC Network. And in August of this year, she debuted The Moment with Laura Rutledge, a new show on SEC Network about making sports fans' dreams come true. Laura also is one of ESPN's college football playoff reporters and was assigned to the CFP semifinals the past two seasons. In addition, she was also a reporter for the network's marquee Super Tuesday college basketball games and serves as the network's lead reporter for the SEC men's basketball tournament. Elsewhere in the world of college sports, Laura also covered the SEC softball tournament and NCAA Women's College World Series. She's also ESPN's lead reporter for the SEC baseball tournament and NCAA College World Series. In addition, Laura has anchored many episodes of SportsCenter and Baseball Tonight. She's also worked as a red carpet host at the SPs last year and this year. And last fall, she made her NFL reporting debut on Monday Night Football. Just a week ago, Laura received a new title, Mom, giving birth to her first baby, a daughter named Reese Catherine Rutledge. It was the perfect birthday gift for a mom who will now forever share her birthday with her daughter. In today's episode, I talked to Laura about how one of, as one of the hardest working women in sports, she organizes her day. We talk about how she fights off sick days, prepares for a handful of different shows, and also manages to look incredibly chic and classy in the process. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So Laura, I'm so glad that you could join us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So I like to go back and start like at the way, way, way beginning of your life and ask you, what was the very first job you had? Now, this could be babysitting. It could be mowing lawns. What was the very first thing that you did? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I always am a little jealous of people who, you know, might have waited tables or worked at an ice cream shop or mowed lawns or things like that because I feel like I missed out on some of those experiences, which can be really valuable in life. Um, I was a very serious ballet dancer as well as serious about music growing up. So as a kid, I didn't have one spare moment of time to, to even get a job. And I think at times it was much to my parents' chagrin, but they were wonderful about, you know, supporting me and, and letting me do all these activities that were so important to me. So my first job actually didn't come until I was in college and I worked for the on-campus radio station at Florida. Um, but it's funny because even those things like ballet and music that, yes, I'm, I'm not over here acting like they were hard labor or they were work, but they were in a way almost like my job because I was working so hard to get um, you know that next opportunity whether it would be a scholarship or whether it would be an actual job as a professional ballet dancer uh, those were that was my goal and so I working toward that was almost like a job well I imagine it taught you a lot about discipline absolutely and, and I think um, now that I look at you know, just what's required to maintain my schedule and <laughs> to not be uh, even more of a crazy person than I already am. I do think that 
having that discipline instilled at such a young age and, and my parents instilled it, but a lot of it was just my own, you know, almost perfectionism at that point. And, and ballet obviously requires a level of perfection. And that was just what I knew every single day. And, and that discipline of staying focused on one goal, I do think has benefited my career in a, a way that you wouldn't normally think those things are correlated, but the discipline aspect of ballet does, you know, factor in for sure. It's so interesting because as you're speaking, I'm thinking about how I've interviewed two previous women for I Want Her Job who started off as ballet dancers, and they're two of the most ah. successful women I know, and now there's a third, so I'm like, hmm, there might be a bit of a trend here. <laughs> so talking about discipline and how that translate to, translates to your schedule, walk me through what your schedule is like. So um, I, I know it can vary throughout the year, so, so let's talk about right now, for example. So right now we're in April. What is your schedule like right now for your job? Yeah, so I'll just give you a little peek over the last week or so and kind of heading into this week as well. Um, I am pretty heavily on get up at this point in New York, so pretty regular there. Uh, so last week I you know, started off the week on get up and did that for a few days, which basically requires you know a 5 a.m. wake-up call, go and do the show, do meetings before the show, then do the show, meetings after the show, and then a lot of times there's other um, obligations. So whether it's some interviews that we're doing for shows coming up or you know, anything like that, that, that might factor in for, um, other, other appearances or other things like that, um, doing that. And then I'm also working on another project right now. That's, it's sort of a top secret project, but it's going to come out soon. And it's a show that I'm producing and hosting. So a lot of last week was, uh, spent on that. And a lot of my weeks are spent on that and just conference calls and getting prepared for that. And then also on Saturday I had the Alabama spring game. So in the midst of doing the work for get up, which really isn't college football based, it's more NBA based and major, major league baseball a little bit. And then also of course, uh, the NFL. So focused on that, on the show but then outside of the show doing production calls and coaches calls and talking to Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa uh, throughout the day so kind of a conglomeration of that during the weekdays and then on Friday um, and this is kind of a, a accurate depiction of maybe I guess the lack of glamour which I would never complain about because I love my job but I think sometimes people think that oh a job on national TV it must be really glamorous uh, a picture of what Friday was like woke up at 5 a.m. did get up we had a post-show meeting and then I raced to the airport while on the phone with Nick Saban on the coach's call uh, in the cab going from my studio to LaGuardia. And when I got to the airport, you know, getting through security, all that stuff, while still trying to be on the conference call, which we've all done that before. That's funny. Um, and then, you know, when I got there, of course, my flight was delayed while well, I was trying to get to a shoot that was for this new show that I'm doing, which was in Tuscaloosa. So I was landing in Birmingham, Alabama, hopefully around four. My flight got delayed about an hour and a half, so it ended up being much later. And then grabbing a rental car as fast as possible, driving the hour to Tuscaloosa, um, doing the shoot that evening, which went to about eight or nine, and then driving back to Birmingham, which is where I live, uh, just so I could get a night at home. And honestly, because I'd been on the road for a month, I had no clothes left for the game the next day. So I had to come back and get some clothes. 
So back at home, getting clothes, and then 6 a.m. the next day on Saturday, which was the Alabama spring game, uh, got up to go to back to Tuscaloosa, which is another hour drive back. Got there to do shoots all morning for this new show that I'm doing while also getting prepared for the game. So there were these funny moments where I would be outside the stadium doing a shoot for this other show and then running inside the stadium just to get mic'd up for the actual game broadcast, which would be live on ESPN2, making sure that I'm checked in with the production truck, then running back out uh, to finish up the shoot outside of the stadium and going back and forth like just, you know, a crazy person while it was raining. So uh, that was fun. And then did the game and then uh, was able to have a night at home on Saturday. And then Sunday was supposed to go to Kentucky for their academic or their, excuse me, their athletic awards. And my flights got all delayed. So I had to drive to Kentucky from Alabama, which was a six hour drive. No big deal. Um, Did those on Monday and then drove back to Alabama to then host Alabama's athletic awards on Tuesday. And then now I head to New York today and I'll be there for the rest of the week for get up um, and then heading back home for the weekend. So wow. Wow. Um, like I said, you know, prior to that week, I had been on the road for a month and uh, hadn't gone home. And that was a combination of the Final Four coverage, as well as being in New York for Get Up and various other assignments that just um, prevented me from stopping back through home. So that that's a, you know, during football season, it's a little more of a regular schedule, even though during football season, I work every single day of the week, um, including Sunday. But it is it is one of those things that at least it's a little more regular than what it is this time of year. This time of year is a little crazy and different. It almost sounds like you're running for office <laughs> with all these stops and early wake-up times and right. the schedule. So how how do you keep track of your schedule? Because um, you, you have to be at so many places at so many different times. I mean, my head is spinning just hearing about everything you've done. It's absolutely amazing and tremendous. Do you write it down? Are you able to just keep it in your head because you have that magic memory? Like, what are some ways that you keep yourself organized and you make sure you don't forget somewhere you have to be? Yeah, so I'm constantly writing reminders in my phone calendar because being out of pocket so often, at least I have my phone. So I know that that'll keep me updated on what's going on and just the the kind of constant to-do list. And and I've realized that, you know, a to-do list or a schedule for me can get so overwhelming that I almost have to really take it day by day, which sounds like coach speak, but it's the only way to get through it is to, to kind of say, okay, these are things that are prioritized for today. These are things that I have to get done today. Day and and sort of push some things off, which unfortunately things that I want to get done do get pushed off uh, more often than I would like. But I am big on writing things down, so I have a planner that I take with me everywhere, and it's sort of old fashioned. Everyone's always like, "How come you don't just you know go digital on this whole thing?" But I do find that if I write things down, I do remember them. And I'm almost able to visualize the entire schedule in my head a little bit better. So that's usually what I do. And then there are some times where I forget stuff and I'm so embarrassed by it. And I just, you know, have to be honest about it that I forgot and, and we're going to have to, you know, make it work. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I do try very hard not to forget things and to be on time because I value other people's time uh, certainly as well. That's amazing. So it's funny because you cover these sports that have seasons that have this definitive beginning and this definitive end. But for you, you're really going all year long. So when do you find some time to maybe relax a little and spend some time with your family and and recharge? (laughs) 
Well, that's something that I'm trying to get better at because I really am bad at that. And um, it was funny because the other day somebody was asking me, you know, when's the last time that you took a vacation or you, or you just took time off? And it was actually in August of last year. So um, that's not that's not great. You know, I need to be better about that than, than what I'm doing. But what I found is, is first of all, that I do really love my job so much. And I'm not just saying that, um, for me being able to do, uh, this coverage of events or do these shows or whatever it may be, I don't want to miss out on those things. So that, that is part of what drives me, but it's also part of just the reality of what's important to me at this point in time. And and my family has been so wonderful about supporting that. And uh, what we find is that a lot of times my family, my, my husband or my parents or, um, my brother, whoever else will come to some of my events so we can spend time there. And that I'm fortunate that, you know, sometimes my job's cool. And so they want to come and see things and they want to come see at these shows. And so that's been really special. And then also um, just for personal downtime, which I think for me has been something that I've learned that I need. And, and I've learned that sometimes you just have to sort of turn everything off and, and take some deep breaths and focus on just yourself for a little bit. And, and it's, it's important to recharge. So, I will, you know, like tonight I'll fly to New York and I'll get there if everything's on time. I'll get there around 8 p.m. and then, um, you know, take a cab, get to my hotel probably around 9 if I'm really lucky, maybe 9.30. And and I will make sure that at that point I've done all my preparation for tomorrow's show so that I'm not scrambling and I can really just, you know, relax and focus on getting to bed early and all of those things. And, And that was something that I wasn't good at for a while. I would always say, well, maybe there's that one more thing that I need to look at or that I need to be prepared for. And, you know, just almost having that trust of saying, it's going to be okay. I will figure it out tomorrow. It's all going to work out. And almost that positive uh, self-talk has been a big part of of my downtime in a weird way and in a way of making sure that I'm fulfilled in the best way possible and and taking those times. Sometimes just if I've got 30 minutes, just take a walk or just sit or go work out or do something that is a little bit more for myself and, and, you know, not consider it selfish. I'm, I'm bad about kind of guilting myself of of not working when I should be working and instead of saying no you know what you deserve this you should go um take a walk (laughs) go get a a coffee or whatever it may be so right before our uh interview started we were talking on the phone and I mentioned to you that I'm just overcoming this sickness with my voice and this cough and it made me wonder you know how, how do you manage through days when you're sick and you have to be on air or you have to do interviews um what are some tips you have for kind of making it look like everything's great on camera even though you might be you know like falling apart inside <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's, you know, it's, first of all, I'm glad you're on the mend. Um, and second, <laughs> I know how hard it is to try and talk through something that, you know, especially anything respiratory. And, and it's funny because working with Mike Greenberg on Get Up, he is so adamant about making sure that you don't get sick because he's like, our biggest tool is our voice. And and it's so true. Um, yes, you, you want to, you know, people are seen on camera, but most of the time it's our voices that, that are carrying a show and people step away from the TV and, and 
that's all that they will really hear is somebody's voice. So um, first of all, I am incredibly bullish about my preventative measures for getting sick. And I would seriously recommend this to anybody who travels a lot. I was sort of nonchalant about the whole thing for a while and just said, oh, I'll be fine. You know, well, when you're on planes, when you're traveling, there's just so many germs. So I'm the person that I never thought I would be. I have a little to-go pack of Clorox wipes with me at all times. The second I sit down on a plane, I'm Cloroxing everything. I'm sanitizing my hands. I'll actually travel with um, disposable masks in case I'm sitting next to somebody who happens to be sick or, you know, anything like that. And I have no shame. I'll put those things on. And I've just found that it's too, it's too much to try and deal with a sickness on top of a crazy schedule. And so I don't care if people judge me, but I'm going to do it. I also uh, do a lot of natural things. So I have immune drops that are, you know, echinacea and all those good things, elderberry, all those things that you want to do it. I, I would recommend that too to people anybody who's looking to just like stay healthy and boost the immune system i i really believe that that stuff works and i've seen it uh be really a a nice mechanism for me and then i'm big on taking immunity juice shots so Hmm. a lot of places that you go you can find a juice shop and i'm not huge on wanting to drink like a whole green juice i wish i was better about that but i found that just a ginger lemon cayenne you know one of those type of shots that's all packaged together it's a little tough to get through but if you can take it down it'll really be beneficial for you and um i found that 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 really goes well but if you do get sick and i can think of a specific time i got a bad case of strep throat actually during football season and i didn't i didn't stop i just kept going and um i hosted our show sec nation with a like 102 to 103 degree fever and i i mean i don't even know what i was saying like it was probably a dangerous thing to do uh, on many levels because you just don't know what you're talking about when you're that feverish um and you know i just took as much medicine as as was safe to take and just tried to get through it and and also made everybody aware like hey i'm i am not doing well but it is bad because i think when you're watching from home it's not that you don't expect the people on tv to you know not ever get sick but you're just thinking i don't want to watch somebody who's sick they need to go home so one of the biggest things for me is actually removing myself if i gotten sick you know calling my bosses up and saying you know what I can't do it today like there is no way I'm going to be able to do it I've tried to power through some things that I probably shouldn't have so um yeah it's kind of a combination of of knowing when to quit knowing when you can kind of keep going and and then on the front end just trying to make sure that you do everything you can and not get sick it's like having that sick person in the office nobody wants to be around them you're like just go home already Okay, so the next thing I'm asking you about, um, when I was looking, uh, doing some research about you and your career online, I happened to come across all these gorgeous photos of you, and you have such a great Kendra Scott earring collection. It amazes me. So that leads me to ask you, you know, as, as a woman who is on air, on camera, on TV, you have to constantly be thinking about your wardrobe and how you're presenting yourself. I mean, I look at a lot of men on TV, and I think they could probably get away with wearing the same suit day after day and just changing the tie. So what are your tricks for keeping your your image and your wardrobe fresh on TV, but also remaining within your budget? And I mean, you have such a busy schedule. I can't imagine you have a lot of time for shopping. So what are some of your tricks to uh, just staying on your A-game on camera in that sense? 
Yeah, it's always a challenge, and and it's kind of a common misconception. Um, A lot of people think, well, you must have all your clothes provided for you, and you must just, like, go to a beautiful rack and pick them out when you get to work, and and that's not the case. And, um, you know, it's kind of great in a way because it does give freedom to create your own style and to decide, hey, this is what I'm going to wear. But on the other side of that, to your point, it creates challenges because you're thinking, okay, I've got to come up with something to wear today and and I think one thing about our job and in particular being a a sports broadcaster is so much of your time is spent on preparing for the show or preparing for the game or whatever your next story is so you're really not spending a lot of time thinking about what you look like or what you're going to wear and um, so that does for me at least become almost second fiddle to everything else and and the way that I've made that a little bit foolproof at least for myself is I just only wear solid colors and Mm -hmm. if you look at my my like collection of of things you'll rarely see a pattern and I stick with a lot of black and I will wear the same pants you know a few times a week which might be gross but that's what I have to do because a lot of times I'm trying to travel with a carry-on bag and I just don't have enough space and, and I found too that it's okay you know because no one really sees your pants and no one really notices so I'll, I'll try to do that and, and stick with just some staples and um it's interesting one of, one of my biggest keys has been I found this brand that's called commando and it's a it's like a bodysuit brand and they have you know some other things as well but i love their just plain black bodysuits and they're like these um turtlenecks or they have you know kind of some mock necks and then a few different styles there's like a pretty boat neck one as well and so i just have a few of those and i will wear those under almost everything and it just gives you a nice simple layer to start your outfit so you've got a black layer and then you can add Add to it. You could put a skirt over it. You could put pants over it. You could put a blazer over it. You can, you know, put a lace top over it that needs something underneath it. Whatever it may be, um, I found that to be just a really good staple to carry around with me. And they're so small, they can fit in anything. And so I would recommend something like that if you're looking for uh, a wardrobe staple that helps, even if you're not traveling. It's just a nice, classy layer. And one thing too that. You know, I, I've kind of evolved, I think, over over the years is there was definitely a time where I thought, ooh, I need to be sort of hot and glamorous on camera and I need to find these really stylish outfits and, and things that are going to be, you know, maybe a little bit on the sexy side and all of this now I've found that that that's just not the image that I want to portray. And and I think I've always erred toward the side of being more conservative, but definitely now and definitely over the last uh, couple years, it's just been really important to me to say, Hey, I can still look the way that I want to look and and look stylish and, and trendy in, in certain areas, but also very classic. And my, um, my sort of mantra that I go by now is I never want my wardrobe to distract from what I'm saying. So anything that I'm wearing is always just sort of there to, to be classy and crisp and professional, but it's never going to be distracting. It's never going to be like, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to get a few tweets about, you know, that lace top I was wearing or whatever. People won't even really notice what I'm wearing because they're more focused on what I'm saying. That's always my goal. And, um, Shaping outfits that way has been, has made it easier, actually, because then you can sort of say, okay, good, well, I know I'm probably going to be wearing pants and a black staple and, and a blazer, and that's fine. Right. <laughs> that's, sort of the, that's sort of the style. So, um, so 
yeah, it's it's been an evolution for sure. But you, as you said, as it relates to Kendra Scott, I do love a good statement earring. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Likewise, by the way, um, it's funny talking to you. I'm like packing my next suitcase already in my head. I'm like, okay, bodysuit, echinacea drops. <laughs> You're a pro at that. It's it's amazing. So um, I'd also like to talk a bit about all of the work that goes into your work, all of the preparation. So uh, to your point earlier, you mentioned that a lot of people think your job is super glamorous. You're on ESPN. You're interviewing all these huge coaches and personalities in sports. But um, there's a lot of work that goes into that. So would you say the bulk of your day is spent in preparation mode? And what are some of the ways that you prepare for a show? Yeah, it is very, very accurate that the bulk of my day is preparation mode. And and I think in today's day and age, there is so much available from an information standpoint, just even on your phone, you know, everything is kind of right there. So I'm always probably that annoying person that is checking my phone and, and staying up to date and kind of just keeping a working knowledge of every single thing that's going on in the day. And specifically for uh, co-hosting Get Up, because we do cover so many topics and it's a wide variety of topics. But then my sort of next level of prep, so that's sort of the the surface skimming prep that happens throughout the day. Um, My next level is really dialing in on what's a different angle for a story. What would be a good question here uh, from a studio standpoint? And that's sort of one category of preparation that's happening in one side of my brain. And I'm big on taking notes. As I mentioned before, if I write something down, a lot of times I can remember it. I've just sort of found that with my own learning style, but obviously everybody's learning style is different. So um, getting to that point where whatever it is that works for you to remember stuff that's what you do (laughs) you make that work for yourself and everybody's got their own style and I'm really appreciative and I think a lot of people don't realize you know how it works for us there's no one at ESPN telling me how I have to prepare they allow me and trust me to prepare however I want to prepare which which I appreciate that so much because it gives you the flexibility and the freedom to cater that to yourself and to really make it um, almost a la carte preparation in a way And then when I'm preparing for a game or a specific event, for instance, that preparation looks a little different. So a lot of times those two are happening simultaneously, um, which which does create some challenges. But I find that if you really do compartmentalize your time, so you allocate – hey, I'm going to spend an hour on this NBA preparation for tomorrow's show, but then I'm going to spend 30 minutes on this preparation for the Georgia spring game. 30 minutes is probably enough for that particular day because I've done a whole ton of Georgia football, so I've got already a working knowledge. So it just kind of depends on what it is. And then, you know, if I'm doing something that's totally outside my comfort zone or almost totally different in a way, that would require a different and probably more lengthy preparation and and that's where you know you really just kind of dial it in and and eliminate distractions put your phone away and say okay what can I do you know to really get on this and um I think, too, what I've found is that cramming is possible, and it's something that I did in college, and I can still do if I have to, but I try to avoid it as much as I can because you just find that your level of stress is so much higher there, and if I can say, okay, I've got the NFL draft next week. It's a week away, so it's a little early to start you know, really intense preparation, but I'm going to start some so that when I get to it, I'm not totally overwhelmed. 
When you're on air, I assume you have to loop in your producers on a lot of the questions that you ask, but um, what would you say? Are you able to still kind of go um, off script a little bit and ask a question, a compelling question that pops up that you want to ask? Or how does that process work with your team behind the camera? Yeah, that's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked it, because I think there's a, a misconception out there that, especially for sideline reporters or just reporters in general, that we're being fed questions from somewhere, and that's just not the case. You know, yes, if we are, let's say, in a football game, we're doing a halftime interview, I will often at least alert my producer and say, hey, I'm going to ask him about that interception and the fact that the quarterback stared down a receiver and it led to this mistake, or whatever it may be or we've got compelling video on this. I know that that's going to be good to show again. So I'm going to ask specifically about this event in the game, just to give them a heads up so they can be ready to roll that video and it's not catching them by surprise. And then, you know, they know that in the moment, and a lot of times something happens, like right before the interview, I see the coach is talking to an official and he's having a heated a heated argument with an official. Well, then that changes my whole line of questioning. And I know that we've caught it on camera, so I'm going to say you were just speaking to that official what was that about and then that changes everything that we had planned and they trust me enough to roll with whatever I'm going to do there so oftentimes like in live sporting events it truly is so unscripted that your your planning is just constantly changing and it's constantly moving around and it's really like a living breathing organism as the game goes along Um, so from that standpoint that is very very much on me and it's very much like hey if I ask a question that people don't like, well, it was me who asked it. <laughs> it's really never fed to me. It's really never discussed. And and they, in those positions, they do give you that flexibility to, to you know, kind of rely on your own instincts and, and they trust you there. And then it's a little different in studio because we will have a more specific plan for how we're interviewing somebody. Um, and, and then always knowing that we do have the authority to go off script whenever we want and just know that, you know, hey, if you're the one on TV, you, to a certain extent, are driving the content and the production follows you. And that's the beautiful thing about the trust between um, everybody who is quote unquote behind the scenes and the people, all of us who aren't behind the scenes, because it is a a really a trust thing. And uh, those people are never really seen, like I said, in front of the camera, but they're doing so much. The production staffs on all of the shows, on all of the games, um, they just don't get enough credit because it's so hard to do their jobs. And, And you are relying on, you know, us in front of the camera to sort of lead the ship a certain way and sometimes we go off script and you just have to follow along and um, they're incredibly quick on their feet and and clever and just uh, very very talented. I love that. <laughs> I've always wondered how that works. So it's such a great yeah. depiction and um, explanation of, of that process and the teamwork that goes into it, even though you're you're the one um, behind, or in front of the camera, so to speak. Um, I'd also love. So you mentioned you have this super secret project coming up that you're that you're so excited to work on. And I might have a hint at what that is, but I'm not going to say anything. Um, but I would I would love for you to kind of tease to our, our listeners. When can they look for this? Where can they? Um, see the announcement when it comes out. I mean, I'm sure you're going to share it on social media. So what tips do you have for people whose ears perked up when you said that? Yeah, so um, probably sometime in the fall of this year would be when uh, things will debut. We've already started working on it a good bit, and 
and it's just so exciting. Um, and, and just a little teaser of, of kind of where this came from. You know, I, um, I really believe, and this is true for like the person that I'm talking to when I'm ordering Chick-fil-A or the person that, um, I'm talking to when I'm, you know, trying to buy like a random tool for my house or, you know, somebody on a plane, everybody has a story. And I, that to me is the most amazing thing just in general about life. Like, I think if you talk to anybody, there's just this story that's kind of lying under the surface. And, um, oftentimes, sadly, people don't think that their stories are worthy or as important maybe as somebody else's. And, and that's just not the case. Cause I, I just think that the beautiful thing about humanity is that everybody's story is so important and so impactful to what their path is going to be and what other people's paths will be around them. So I, I love this job because I a lot of times am given the great honor of telling people stories and they'll trust me with with those stories and so I'm always trying to think of ways to tell more stories and to tell stories that are untold because so much of the time we know a story and we're trying to find a different angle and all of that but what about telling a story that's never been told before and so um, that was sort of the inception behind the idea that created this project and just what was important to me of, of uniting fans with the schools and the, the players and the coaches that they love the most and finding ways to give them just a small little gift and a token of appreciation for what they do. And I think um, this project will be kind of the culmination of that on TV. So I know that's kind of vague, but <laughs> we're so excited about it. And, and yeah, look for all the announcements probably come relatively soon like over the summer and then I, I think that the show will debut sometime in the fall. Well, you're talking to the right audience because everyone listening to this podcast loves stories. <laughs> so so I'm sure so many people cannot wait to check it out. Where can people follow you on social media to stay up on uh, up to date on all things going on in your life, your projects, your red carpet appearances, all the fun stuff? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's just at Laura Rutledge. And then on Instagram, it's at Laura M. Rutledge. So um, follow me there. But also, if you want to reach out, send me a DM on Instagram. If anyone has like any questions or advice that they want or anything like that, I'm usually very accessible there. And if I don't get back to you right away, I promise I will. That is so (laughs) kind of you. (laughs) That is so kind of you. So everyone listening, make sure to take note of that. And then Laura, I love to finish the interviews with just a couple quick hit questions. So I'm going to say something and I'd like you to say the first thing that comes to mind after I say it. Okay. Okay. I'd love to have coffee with. Ooh, Oprah Winfrey. I think her story is amazing, and the fact that she has built an empire out of really just telling stories and being herself um, is just one of my favorite things about her, and she's one of my favorite people. My current favorite saying or mantra is? Oh, my favorite saying is tutors, and I don't exactly know where it came from, but I have been saying it for quite some time, really most of my life, and I keep hoping that it's going to catch on, and then people don't want to say it, so I don't know what the deal is, but um, I find it very satisfying. It can be both negative or positive, so you you could say, oh, tutors, or you could say, tutors, (laughs) I love it. So that could be what someone DMs you. Okay, my favorite sports analogy is oh I love um can of corn which is 
the same thing as catching a pop fly in the outfield. Um, and it's just, you know, like supposed to be an easy catch. I just think that's such a funny phrase, can of corn, like, he, oh, it's just a can of corn right there. Um, so yeah, that's always made me laugh for years. That would be one of those that a casual sports fan would hear and they'd be like, what, what's going on here? What, what? does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so these are few and far between it sounds like, but my favorite way to spend my day off is. Ooh, day off would be, um, probably going to my parents' lake house. They have a a little cabin and it's totally secluded and kind of in the woods and like a little bit rustic and kind of down and dirty and it's just awesome. And we go kayaking on the lake. And so it's just, it's a great way to spend time. Sounds peaceful. One lesson I've learned lately is? Lesson I've learned lately. I would say, um, that it's okay to have a, which I've been learning this for years, but it's still a good reminder. It's okay to have a mistake on live TV and like admit your mistake. I think people like that better than trying to pretend like you didn't have a mistake. And I've, I've always admitted it and sometimes got criticized for that by bosses, but I found more and more that the best possible way to go about it is just to be like, well, I messed that up and, and move along. Um, and just being totally comfortable in that is something that it's a lesson I continue to learn and I really keep trying to employ it and I'm going to keep messing up. So I might as well just own up to it. I can't live without. Oh, I can't live without peanut butter. I love peanut butter. And I, it's so funny because I will try to say, well, I could just eat this without peanut butter, but then it's just so much better with it. So yeah, peanut butter. Everything's better with peanut butter. Really is. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, I feel my best when. Oh, I feel my best when I am regularly going to Pure Bar. I love Pure Bar, and it just, it's its almost probably like a, a flashback to ballet in a way, but not quite as intense, obviously, and I just find it to be such a good workout, and I wish that I could do more of it, but I will do, like, pseudo Pure Bar classes for myself in my hotel room or in a hotel gym. The problem is I do better if I'm in an actual workout environment like in a class because then I feel more pressure to keep going when I'm by myself I'm like "Ah, I think I've done enough (laughs) (laughs) I love your honesty (laughs) well Laura thank you so much this has been such an amazing conversation and really getting a depiction of of what your life is like and um, I'm sure you're on on to your next thing now I believe you said you're flying to New York so thank you so much for your time today and for all of the fabulous advice that you shared with us thank you I really appreciate it Thanks for listening to today's episode of I Want Her Job, the podcast. We rely on word of mouth to grow. So if you like today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. And for more I Want Her Job 24-7, visit us at IWantHerJob.com.